0: You're listening to the best of morning drive with Dietrich and White, an on demand audio presentation of RedpeachSports.com
1: and ESPN977.com. Now, here's today's show.
2: Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe? John Tabor doing a fine job back at the Sports Talk 97.7 headquarters in Ruston. On Tuesday mornings around 8 o'clock or so, we always look forward to catching up with Gus Cattengill from ESPN New Orleans. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Good morning, Gus. What's going on, bud?
1: Nothing much, man. How are you?
2: Good. Uh, i got a couple of questions for you. Obviously, we want to get into the Pels, but uh, I guess the biggest news, Sean Payton meeting with the media today at the owner's meetings, and then, of course, Gail Benson meeting with the media for pretty much the first time in that, that right. role as the new owner of the Saints and the Pels uh, yesterday. We played uh, several clips from her in the 7 o'clock hour. Did anything really stand out to you, Gus?
1: Um, no, because of last week, I think when we were talking, you know, it's basically what you expected, right? I mean, we chatted, I want to say, last week about, man, she's been running, you know, or, or at least, I mean, not. it's the same. It, 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 if it makes any sense to you, I mean, it's just – but what I've seen the last two, three years, you know, and as his health has declined and, and the battle with his family took on, I mean, you, you had to be absolutely blind or oblivious to see her role and how she, um, you know, was almost a de facto owner. I mean, you know, she took care of how he was presented to the public, how he was seen, um, you know, in the golf cart, she was the driver. She drove him to work. I mean, so people could see him still coming to work. I mean, she she was very, very close to him in terms of how people view him and, and everything. And I want to say, if I remember last week, I was saying the same things, like all these people who think that she's going to pick up and move or do this and do that. I'm like, dude, she's inherited two franchises. The only you know woman that has an NBA or an NFL franchise right now as an owner and right now, you know, Tom Benson was laid to rest as, as a s as a savior, you know, as somebody that is viewed upon very positively. Why would she change that? So I kinda chuckled when she said yesterday it's foolish for people to think that I would do anything to ruin his legacy. And I was like, Exactly, she's not that dumb and uh and she's like, look, I'm gonna do the same thing we've been doing and you know he's I mean, for her to say she's been being groomed for this role, um, it's just a, a softer way of saying she's been doing it. I mean, she I guarantee you she's been apprised of the situations the last couple of years, you know, being a part of it. She's been involved in meetings. She's gone to the owner's meetings, and she's been in the room with them. Normally it's just the owner. You know, like the owner doesn't bring the spouse or anything, but once she got voted to be okay and, and to be the successor, any event that had him as an owner, NBA or NFL, she tagged along. As in, not like she went to the trip on Orlando. I mean, like right now, the wives of the owners are out, you know, enjoying Orlando while they're doing their business and stuff. She was in the room. So she was a part of the room. She was a part of the discussions and all that. So, yeah, I mean, it's just essentially now they're calling her the owner and they're referring to her by the name, um... So I, I wasn't surprised or shocked at all to hear anything that she had to do, and um, that's why you know the the whole fear of this team moving or that team moving or not doing it right. Look, this is her chance, and you heard her say it yesterday um, to to build on the legacy, and to build on the legacy is Colin, more Super Bowls, more events, make it even better, championships for both franchises. Now she has a chance to do something that Tom Benson, you know, win an NBA uh, championship, win a second Super Bowl. This one would be under her. So, I mean, it's, you know, she's going to be okaying and talking about decisions in the future. So, um, you know, it just goes back to the day after he passed away where she showed up to Pelican's practice to talk to the team. So I think she's going to be more vocal and visible than than he was towards the end. But you, you forget... I mean, Tom Benson, to a fault, a lot of times was too vocal and visible, a lot of times. And if you remember, that's why after Katrina, Rita Benson took front stage and center, and Tagleboo in the NFL said, "All right, you know, she's really good in front of the camera, much better at speaking, and and is not saying anything offensive." I mean, Tom Benson couldn't get out of his way, you know, in, in 2006. Uh, you know, and after Katrina, no, no five. Anything he said just, it just came wrong. It seemed wrong. It came across brash. And so that's why, not coincidentally, for two, three years after, you saw Rita along his side. Rita answered the questions. Rita talked to the media. Rita was standing next to the commissioner talking about what they were doing coming back from Katrina. So um, I think you're going to see, you know, Gail, I think you just saw a taste of what you're going to see. Uh, she'll be the, the the face and she will you know speak and you know the day-to-day operations will still be run just like they were a month ago you know by Mickey Loomis Dennis Hausch and Sean Payton
2: Sean Payton addressed the uh, media this morning at the a breakfast there for all the coaches at the owners meeting uh, just from my timeline Twitter timeline a uh, couple things that stand out First of all, he says they'll address the wide receiver uh, depth in free agency. It talked about the Jimmy Graham situation, how there was certainly mutual interest, but the price point, quote, uh, got out of their realm of how much they are willing to pay Jimmy Graham. The thing that I found the most interesting from what he said this morning to the media, he actually somebody asked him about Lamar Jackson, and he just raved about him, says, I like him, I like him, he's athletic, he's got a magic smile to him, he's a leader, he's a special guy. It uh, goes on and on about Lamar Jackson, which a lot of times college coaches will not. I mean, professional coaches won't. But he also said the next quarterback won't be, quote, Breeze clone. Any of those uh, storylines or topics uh, really fascinates you
3: guys?
1: Uh, and if anything, makes me pat myself on the back. <laughs> For a couple of weeks, I've been not a lone guy around here, obviously, but um, – You know this when I come on Tuesdays with you guys. I've been telling you, if not now, when, to to go get a quarterback. And, you know, I've brought up Lamar Jackson. I love Baker Mayfield. But his rise from the senior bowl to how he's done in pro days or at the combine, I mean, the price is going to be high to get in there. If they think that that's your guy, then you go with it. Um, But if not... Maybe a more realistic one would be a Lamar Jackson. And I've been talking about him for a couple of weeks on the show in specifics as to um, when fans love to say, well, it would be a wasted pick, or he's garbage, or he doesn't fit this, or he doesn't do that. And at first, you know, um, when I was approaching this and, and talking about him, you know, the first thing I was like, dude, no. Terrible. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be an NFL quarterback. You know, why? Like because I, I was thinking still of two years ago, right? LSU, Louisville. And I was thinking of last year. And I was like, man, he they didn't really look very good. He would not really wanted contention for a Heisman. What we could do that? So I reached out to the Louisville people and, you know, spoke to their voice. And it was like, hey, they didn't have a very good offensive line. They didn't have a very good team like they did two years ago. And you almost forget, and it's my fault, right? And I think it's all of our faults when you forget two years ago the kind of season he had. I remember, and I was, you know, stupidly, I thought he was a junior. And I remember mid-season, I was like, Saints need to draft him now, do whatever it takes. Go. I was like, he's amazing. He was the most electrifying player in college football. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a question. It wasn't even a question. I mean, it – he won the Heisman in October. I mean, it was over, and he was incredible to watch. And I don't know if we forget or we we don't remember what we saw, but he was unbelievable. And I remember the graph and I were on the air, and he was like, "Draft him now!" And the caller's like, "He's a sophomore." And I was like, "Darn," because <laughs> you know the Saints were still in the seven and nine, you know, slump not doing very well, looking good. So. Um yeah. And and then I just it just started kinda coming back. I started recalling memories and press conferences and practices at OTAs and practices in minicamps. Sean Payton's great in OTAs and mini camp. There's no timetables, no time frame, there's nothing, you know, season pending. And the last several years he's been more open. He's he's talked about mistakes, he's talked about things you need to do better and he gets into innuendos, not innuendos, but uh, nuances, rather, uh, of game plans and, and things specifically, like why you use a tight end here, and why you would do motion. Like, he actually talks to you and you start to see what that brain's kind of thinking and why he goes about the process he does on a play call, on a play formation, uh, where players line up. And it's pretty good stuff. And the whole point that I'm rambling about is, Quite often he talks about a dual-threat quarterback. Quite often he talks about a mobile quarterback. And not a running quarterback, per se, but somebody who can keep the, the play alive and give him as many options as a play caller. And that led me to start thinking on shows of, boy, can you imagine Lamar Jackson in the gun, Kamara to his right or left, and the ball is snapped. What do you do as a linebacker? I mean, what, what do you do as a defensive end? What you do at the very least is you just slow it down a quick sec. You've seen it with Cam Jordan and, and some other Saints players, sometimes with Cam Newton's back there or a mobile quarterback. They don't exactly come right off the line. Or if they do one, one or two steps and Cam pulls the ball down, they stop the rush. You know, they shuffle their feet. They try to play contain rather than come in and blitz. So you, you already are changing how a player plays you if you have the threat of mobility. And then on the Tuesday after I was thinking that about two weeks ago, I'm like, wait a minute, look at the NFC. I mean, Carson Wentz got hurt running. You know, people think that he's just a pocket passer. Carson Wentz is mobile as heck, keeping the, the play alive and running over people in the works. Golf is pretty mobile too. And by the way, they both primarily work out of the shotgun in this division alone noodle arm i mean matt ryan is always basically out of a shotgun um not mobile but out of a gun then you take a look at also what cam newton does yeah okay great he can't hit the barn but when he does he throws it through the barn that's his own issues of not working on his footwork and working on his mechanics but you've seen the arm strength and you've seen the ability now lamar jackson isn't as big as Cam Newton' body size or height, but Lamar Jackson's 6'2". And Lamar Jackson is going to have at least a year or two to watch a quarterback if he comes to the Saints that does everything, every single time, every day, every play, every practice the same way as he's in the game. And if that isn't as good a teacher as you're going to learn, then Lamar Jackson will never be able to learn because – what he's going to observe and see just on a day-to-day pro- you know, process is how he studies, what time he gets here, what he does when he gets here, how he takes care of his body, how he trains. He'll probably start training with them. And then when you get to OTA's minicamp and training camp practices and regular practices, you will notice that even in the very first drill, Drew Brees drops back, looks left, looks center, looks right, and then dumps it off. He does that every single time he throws the ball, every single single day. He's working those mechanics. He's working on his footwork. He's working on his reads every single day in May, much less by the time you get to the season. He's going to have an unbelievable coaching experience to help what he already has. Lamar Jackson has a gun, and he can fly, and he can extend plays. And what people tend to forget is if he actually does come here and play about, say, two, three years, where's Michael Thomas going to be? Year four, if not five, going on his you know, contract in his prime. Uh, you know, um, you're know, you looking at Kamara in year three or four. You're looking at Lattimore and the rest of the Saints defense that's pretty young in their third or fourth year. He doesn't have to win anything. He just has to not trip under center. You know what I'm saying? He's going to have a pretty good team. So, look, all I can tell you is, Listening to Sean Payton for years rave about dual-threat QBs or guys that have mobility and arm, it didn't shock me at all when this morning he said he won't be the mole of a Drew Breed. I think he wants to challenge himself. I think there's a lot more he could do with this offense and now with Kamara if he had a certain type of quarterback, and that's why I wasn't I'm not even remotely surprised he raved about Lamar Jackson.
3: Gus, every win for the Pelicans is big at this point, but with mm-hmm. the Trailblazers coming into town with, you know, winners of the last ten games, how big would a victory over the Blazers be for the Pels tonight?
1: It's big. It's big because, A, there's only eight games left. So each one absolutely matters. I think with a three-and-a-half game lead, it would be really, really hard for the Pels to catch the third spot, right? But if you beat Portland today, you actually have the tiebreaker on them. Um so, yeah, you know, if eventually that goes that way, that's fine. But I don't know if you can catch them with eight games. To me, you're right there. You're, you're absolutely there. You're writing it on a dry eraser board. You're putting it on a sheet of paper. You're doing whatever it takes. The fourth seed. It's right there. You're half game back from Oklahoma City, and you play them Sunday at home. So, it's there. It's right here. Go get it. I mean, it's unbelievable. They haven't done it in ten years, host a first-round playoff. Um, so, it'll be huge. That's, that's a massive accomplishment. Go get it, man, and that's why I, yesterday I, I did a call out to the city. I mean, I get it's Easter on Sunday. Make it a part of your day. It's a 5 o'clock tip-off, you know. I mean, I do what you got to do on Friday. Most people crawfish boil, and, you know, maybe Sunday do something at noon. Get down there. But for sure today and Sunday, that arena should be alive. I mean, there's no reason it shouldn't be alive. Three of the next four are at home. Then you go three straight on the road, and you finish up against San Antonio. And How, how is this for Friday? The last time – the Pels were in the postseason, they had to beat Oklahoma City on that Anthony Davis buzzer, beating three at the top of the key, if you remember, and then had to beat San Antonio final game of the year to go to the playoffs because they were tied with Oklahoma City. And that three by AD gave them the tiebreaker. Different situation, but almost maybe I think the same here, right? What if that last game of the year against San Antonio, which, by the way, they're trying to stay alive in the postseason, comes down to maybe the fourth seed, but that's why a win against OKC is massive on Sunday, and that's why a win tonight is pretty big as well. And you got LeBron and the Cavs on Friday, so um, it's a huge week. It's fun. This is what it's all about, dude. Two weeks left, eight games, and you're just you know every single possession matters, man. Much less a game.
2: The fact that they're even having we're even having these conversations right? is pretty cool. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, guys, we want to hear more what we need to do and what our listeners need to do.
1: Yeah, man, we'll be doing the same thing you guys are doing, breaking down what they, what they said uh, this morning, Sean Payton and such, and then obviously Little Pels and lots of college baseball going on today here as well. So looking forward to it, 12 to 3 p.m. we'll be on. If you want to catch us, tune in radio. It's a free app. And just put in ESPN1003.com or just follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio Noah.
2: Gus, thank you. Have a fantastic thank you, man.
1: week. Take care, guys. Gus Talk to you next Tuesday.
2: Down in New Orleans, ESP in New Orleans. Let's take a timeout. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Lane Burroughs joins us for his weekly visit. Red Hot Diamond Dogs continue to tear it up. They got a big one tonight versus McNeese. Coming up next, a couple headlines from or on this Tuesday morning. We're back after this.
4: Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors. Cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road car king. We treat you like royalty, we earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing, the king of the road, the king of the road car king.
5: The North Louisiana Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Clinic is dedicated to helping you get back to your old self.
0: The newest lawn equipment pro center in the area is your new Cub Cadet Superstore, Yard Power. Yard Power in Monroe is your source for the full line of Cub Cadet mowers. In fact, they're the only dealer in Northeast Louisiana. And Yard Power is loaded with Cub Cadets. Over 100 mowers on the ground ready to roll, all backed by a full service and parts department. So remember YP, Yard Power. On Highway 165 in Monroe, just one mile north of Century Lane.
5: I am Jessica LaDue, member and employee for Washtenaw Valley Federal Credit Union. Becoming a member of Washtenaw Valley is much easier today. Memberships are now open to anyone who lives, works, worships, attends school, or owns a business in any of our seven parishes that we serve. Our goal is to offer you personal banking and to make sure you're getting the best rates possible. Washtenaw Valley currently serves Caldwell, Franklin, Jackson, Lincoln,
6: Sports Talk is on the air on the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King in Monroe.
2: All right, Jake, where do you want to go with a couple quick headlines on this Tuesday morning, the eight o'clock
3: hour? Uh, do you want to go NBA or do you want to go Sister Jean? Uh, there's no question where I'm going. <laughs> Dumb question, huh? Yeah. How about
2: Sister Jean? Uh, oh, nightly News. How about her? Nightly News again last night. Oh, no. Tracking her down. She returned to campus. Nice little feature story on her once again.
3: You know, I did see uh, there was some, I think there was a restaurant in Chicago. Did you see this? They had a, uh, a sign out front that said, Sister Jean, your party of four. Oh, oh it's good. Nice. That's good.
2: You know, for all those that are, might be hating on this storyline, considering what college basketball has gone through in the last two to three months. How can you hate on a story like this?
3: No, it's been a breath of fresh air for you know the NCAA at least. Yeah. Uh, you know after all the FBI talk and mm-hmm. you know, and I did say, Aaron, by the way, I did say this March Madness was the race to vacate. Mm-hmm. If little Chicago wins, mm-hmm. maybe not. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what do you want to talk? What do you want to say about Sister Jean? Because I know you love talking about her daily. No, just. You got a crush on her, Aaron? <laughs> You're literally half her age. Jake, I'm like a quarter her age. Jake, what?
2: Uh, so, is, can we uh, talking hyperbole here? Is there a, sure. is there a beef between her now and uh, oh, God. and Jalen Rose's grandmother?
3: You mean playful beef? Sure. Oh, yeah. It's I guess it's fun. Whatever. I don't. I you got my hopes up. That's what. That's what's wrong with this. You got my hopes up. I thought this was gonna actually be like, you know, Jalen Rose's grandma actually talking some trash. You want to just play it and let the people hear it because this isn't. This is Jalen Rose's grandma, quote unquote, calling out. So it's
2: not Sherman and Crabtree. No,
3: (laughs) not even close. Not even in the same realm. No. Here, here is here is Jalen Rose's grandma.
4: Gene. It's been a good ride. But it's over Saturday. Go blue. One hundred.
3: <laughs> I do love that she said one hundred. That that is the redeeming <laughs> part of that. But uh overall
2: What about the fact it just took that much? It took effort that long to put
3: it out. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but uh since you went there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Who wants to sit down and watch those two <coughs> debate and go at it? I'm start. You're giving me Sister Jean fatigue, by the way. Uh, oh, sorry. You're shoving it down, Arthur. I apologize. We're just like
2: uh, in the seven o'clock hour. We uh, played some uh, Gail Benson sound, and uh, one of the reporters asked her what her hobby was. <laughs> Russell says, uh, and she mentioned the fact that she works. And Russell says, that is what billion billionaires do. Their hobby is making money.
3: Yeah, that's true. Todd also wants to know about Taysom Hill. You know, a lot of people love some Taysom Hill. Yeah. I think it's because of the special teams oh, yeah. plays, but uh, I never. And now he's going
2: to get his chance, basically. With the, well, unless well, they're going to they're going to draft, draft a quarterback, yeah. but right now he's sitting at number two.
3: Sure, but I never really viewed Taysom Hill as the future, and I could be wrong. He could he could develop, but I just never really thought. He's the heir apparent to Drew Brees, Hmm. right? I think he's a a solid backup. Don't get me wrong, but, eh, you know, the future of the franchise, I'm I'm not sold on that.
2: Your other headline you wanted to address in the 8 o'clock hour was still the NBA, and, of course, how perhaps the landscape is now changing a little bit or the playoff picture.
3: Yeah, I'm really getting excited because, A, the Pelicans are right in the thick of it. You just heard Gus talk about it, the fact that they're right there – the number four seed is available regardless if you get a, a four or five matchup that's a really exciting matchup and you avoid the Warriors in the first round even though the Warriors are without Steph Curry that's my other uh big takeaway right now the fact that Steph Curry won't be healthy by the time the first round starts and you know, they're kind of tracking when he'll be back in the second round at the earliest so you look at it and you say, "Can somebody knock off the Warriors? Can somebody catch them early?" And you know, I look at the Timberwolves and I look at the Jazz and you know, teams hovering around that spot. I'm not, I'm not so sure they can. Um, but you know, if if the Pels were to somehow fall to that that spot, maybe AD could. Maybe AD could give them some fits, just because I think I don't think they had the same type of ball movement without Steph Curry. And I think they're going to rely more on Kevin Durant. And you will see a lot more isolation with him. And, I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest players ever, uh, you know, to run an ISO around. So, I mean, they're still dangerous. But I don't think they're as dangerous without Steph Curry. You know, that's, that's a no-brainer right there. But that's interesting just because the, the Warriors are wounded. What's also interesting is LeBron has has found his second win. I mean, he's playing like he's uh, 23 years old right now. He's, he's on fire. Uh, getting in postseason shape I mean he he looks to be in postseason form uh, so maybe he can carry the Cavs to another uh, you know I am interested in the East just because now all of a sudden I'm starting to take the Cavs a little bit more seriously since he stepped it up Uh, the Raptors have been the most consistent team in the East all season long so you can't discredit them you can't count them out the Celtics when Kyrie Irving gets fully healthy I, I, I still like them I I don't know. I think I have them third behind those other two. But uh, anyway, the NBA for the longest time this year was not very intriguing because we we kind of thought we knew how this was going to play out. And last month I was saying I'm not even that interested in the finals. I'm more interested in the Western Conference finals between the Rockets and the Warriors. That's really all I want to see. That has flipped over on its head with, with the injuries with the Warriors, with the resurgence of LeBron and the Cavs. Heck, I, I, I'm in it. I'm ready for the playoffs.
2: College baseball tonight. Got Grambling scoring off against Texas College. You have ULM playing host to Jackson State. ULL versus LSU in the Wally Pontiff Classic. This will be the 15th year of that. Boy, uh, LSU 16-9 uh, and nine right now. The Raging Cajuns. They're struggling. Ooh, yeah, 10-13 and 13 on the year. I see they're hitting a whopping 213 as a team this year. If you're looking at this series between LSU and the Dirty Cajuns, LSU, LSU has won five of the last six and fifteen of the last twenty-one.
3: But they didn't win this year. That's true.
2: A 4-3, 10-inning win over the Tigers on March 7th. And then, of course, Louisiana Tech going on the road to square off against McNeese State. The Diamond Dogs head coach Lane Burroughs will join us after the break on the morning drive.
4: Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors.
0: If your business depends on technology, then you can depend on NetTech. We offer remote desktop and service management, cloud-based document access, email services, IP phone services, fiber internet, and data security products. With locations in Monroe and in Ruston, our friendly technicians and help desk staff are ready to solve all your IT problems. Let NetTech be your IT department. Visit NetTech.net or call
3: 866-668-0001 today.
0: When people get sick, they need a doctor. When cars get sick, they need Autoplex Automotive. So if your check engine light comes on, If you have an electrical problem, need brake work, or just an inspection sticker, they do it all. They're a full-service shop that can perform any BG service and stand behind their work with a parts and labor warranty. They even offer towing service. Autoplex Automotive, 1515 Cypress Street, West Monroe. When your car's sick, call 855-4483. Whether you have a sports or an orthopedic injury, nagging low back or neck pain, work-related injury, or even vertigo, get the care and treatment you need at Legacy Outpatient Therapy Services. Lots has been a reliable health care provider for Rustin and the surrounding communities for over 15 years. Give Chase Patterson and his team of skilled therapists a call at 318-255-9601 or visit our website at LegacyRehab.net. Lots, official partner of Louisiana Tech Athletics and your home for trusted therapy solutions. Powered by Legacy Rehabilitation. Grab another
6: cup of coffee. And keep tuned to the morning drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe.
2: Welcome back to the show. Today's Louisiana Tech Report brought to you by Legacy Rehab. They offer physical, occupational, and speech therapy solutions for many of our local health care facilities, whether it's sports medicine, pediatrics, or chronic pain management. Legacy covers it all. Showing locations in Ruston, Monroe, Bastard, Farmerville, Bernice, Minden, and South Arkansas. Call 255 5980 for more information. We love catching up with Lane Burroughs every Tuesday morning around 8.30 or so. He joins us on the Stuart Shelby State Farm Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning, bud?
7: Doing good, Aaron. How about
2: you guys? How are we doing? Uh, good. Fantastic. Another great week for Louisiana Tech. Now you're getting ready to hop on the bus and travel down to McNeese today. Uh, I guess it just restarts another week for you. You put the last week's game in the rear, rear mirror, and you look forward to this week.
7: Yeah, I'm proud of our guys last week. We had a double midweek, five games, went four and one. And, and uh, when you look back on it, the dust settles and put everything in perspective. Uh, first road conference weekend against a really good club. We're playing in a beautiful pro park and not a lot of people there. So you kind of have to create your own environment. And uh, UAB is one of those teams they're hard to prepare for. They're hard to coach against because they do every all the little things so well. And they small ball you to death and they can really pitch. And uh, I thought our guys hung tough. They were three field games that really could have went either way. Uh, you look back on them and we could have been swept, could have swept them. And uh, for us to come out of there winning that series uh, against a team I really respect and are well-coached, uh, very proud of our guys for hanging tough and, and uh, winning our two midweek games. And, uh, again, like you said, Aaron, it doesn't stop. This train's rolling, man, and it's full swing. And you, you got a midweek today. It's a short week. Um, we got FIU this weekend. It's Easter weekend, so we'll be playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's, uh, everything's kind of condensed. Everybody's on short rest, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything uh, plays out this week.
2: Coach, we had a question uh, actually yesterday about you know travel requirements inside conferences because LSU certainly had an issue with Vandy and SEC game. How does it play out for Conference USA teams? What, what do you do in terms of travel, and is there a time limit when you guys need to be out of a certain place?
7: It, it depends if the team's flying or not. If they have a flight to catch, you usually have a, a drop-dead time that uh, we can't start in an inning before, after this time or uh, if, if it gets to this time and we're playing game over, uh, whatever the score is, if it's an official game. So uh, a lot of that depends on if the team's flying or not and they have a flight schedule. Uh, generally, because uh, we, we thought we were going to deal with that this Sunday with some rain, and the umpires are required to stay uh, over if they have to. I know in our league, they have to stay. Uh, if they have a flight, they just have to miss it. Um, most of our teams bus. You know, there's a few flights. Um, if you're on a bus, it's really not an issue. But you have three days you can play, and uh, it's like this week, Aaron. If it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we can't play on Sunday. So it's uh, you have three days to get your games in, and if you you can't get them in, you're out of luck. But uh, yeah, it does it does come into play a lot. But uh, generally, it's just a time you set with the umpires and the uh, and the opposing coach and and you just can't start an inning or after that certain time.
2: Lane, we've established you're not big into stats, but you're going to love this stat. The Bulldogs have won 14 of their last 17 games, one of the hottest teams in the country. Is it safe to say this team's starting to develop a little bit of a swagger or has had one here for the last couple of weeks?
7: I would, I would say, yeah. You know, it's like I told our guys the other day. We, we lost on Friday against a really good arm, and we really didn't threaten the whole night. And the disappointing thing, we have bases loaded, and, Tanner Huddleston absolutely crushes the ball to first base, and it's one out, and the guy catches it, steps on first double play. there out of the inning, and uh, if that ball gets by, and we score three runs, and it's a different ball game. But I just feel like our guys are coming to the park, and, and they expect to win, and use the word swagger. And, uh, you know, we had, I felt like we had that early in the year, and then kind of lost it a little bit and got it back when we went to Frisco. And, and uh, it, it's a good feeling. You can tell. You, you know the vibe of your club, and I think that's one thing as a coach, especially a head coach, you need to have a grasp on it. And uh, you you can you can see the body language and you can see their attitude and they're having fun and when guys are smiling and cutting up and enjoying being around each other, uh, obviously winning helps that. And like you said, that's really the only stat that matters. Um, and I, I feel like our guys are enjoying being around each other each other's company and and getting to the ballpark and competing their tails off. And that's the number one thing, man. That's the biggest battle. Do you enjoy competing and and right now, Aaron, I feel like our guys, uh, they can't wait to get to the park and, and hook it up again.
2: Uh, here's another one we've raved about this pitching staff. When a tech scores three or more runs this year, the team is 19-1. and one. So many new faces and arms on this squad as you were kind of piecing this roster together and, of course, got a look at everybody in the fall. Did you start realizing or start figuring out that this staff could be this special?
7: I don't think so. Uh, the fall's tough because guys are coming off a long summer and especially arms and you generally don't, guys don't throw a lot in the fall. I knew we had a chance to have some guys that would be special on the mound and you don't anticipate what you're seeing right now. Uh, you know, I think our main concern in the fall was, man, are we going to hit? Uh, our, guys, our guys were really uh, and, and, you know, they're facing the same guys over and over. And uh, We knew we had some pieces. I, you know, Coming into the year, I think you can go back check. I, I raved about our bullpen and I felt like that would be a strength of our club, and it is. It's a, it's a big part of what we're doing and feel good about our bullpen. I, I did not anticipate the starting pitching being as strong as it has been this early in the season. And, you know, you just you, – you guys are giving us quality start after quality start. And, you know, Logan Bailey didn't have it on Sunday. His breaking ball wasn't working. He, the matchup wasn't good against their left-handed hitters, so we went and got him in the fourth. And Kyle Griffin comes in and promptly hits a guy, maybe two, base hit, walks and you're going, man, alive. He just uh, he just goes out and throws up seven zeroes on the scoreboard and uh, cleans up his mess, and kind of what he did at Northwestern State. So it's just the, the thing that's fun and exciting uh, as you look at the big picture of the season. It's a different guy all the time, a Kyle Griffin, a Braxton Smith, a Ken Hasler. Uh, you know, we got Alrich back now in the mix. So uh, it's fun that you can look down in that bullpen and see there's different guys that have different looks, they can give an offense different looks, and it can get you out in different ways. So, uh, very pleased with the way those guys are performing right now.
2: Uh, tonight, an opponent you're very familiar with, McNeese. Of course, you uh, won a game earlier this year against them, five to one. They are nine and fourteen on the year, six and three in Southland Conference play. What are you expecting from the Cowboys tonight?
7: Well, they're dangerous. They got a really good lineup. Uh, I, I really hadn't looked at their numbers offensively. I will on the bus, but I know it, it doesn't matter. They got dangerous hitters and. Some guys struggle. Uh, we played a guy this weekend; one of the better hitters in our league was hitting about two thirty, and we couldn't get him out. So, uh, hitters hit, and uh, there, when you when you step in that box, you know uh, guys are threats or not. And you know it's Corey Barton to be going back, be the first time back in okay. Lake Charles after uh, serving as a pitching coach there for four years. So I know uh, it'll be interesting for him. And and again, it's just a midweek baseball game against a quality club. It's a it's a long trip after a, a long weekend playing twelve innings on Sunday and. As I tell our guys, the built-in excuses are there if we want to use them. It's just a matter of uh, coming out and uh, getting after it, getting off the bus and playing ball. And It's it's the life of a Division One college baseball player. You If you, you go to class, you get on the bus, you go play, you get back late, you go to class tomorrow and you start a weekend on Thursday. So uh, it's exciting to go down there and play a good club, and I know they'll be ready and have a good crowd and, and uh, looking forward to it.
2: And then you turn right around. Of course, as you mentioned, a short week on Thursday. The series starts against Florida International. How are they playing right now?
7: Well, the scary thing jumps out to you right off the bat is they lead our league in home runs, and our, our ballpark's a hitter-friendly park, so that's concerning. And and uh, they—it's it, kind of strange. They have great arms. They—I think they lead our league in strikeouts on the mound. Uh, I remember last year, every arm they brought out looked like a big leaguer. I mean, they were. Mid 90s with secondary stuff that was just absolutely filthy, and and uh, they, it seems like that hadn't changed uh, for whatever reason. Their ERA is not as low as you think it would be, but it, I guess you would say a, a team full of prospects, uh, really good players that have a chance to play at the next level. And they're obviously physical because they're they're hitting the ball out of the park and and they're stealing bases. So
5: I know Merville does
7: a great job, and uh, there's great ball players in that part of the country, and he's doing a great job of getting them to come to FIU. So. Um, it'll it'll be another good weekend. And like I told the UAB guys, man, it seems like every weekend you, you kind of play the same opponent. It's just who's going to who's gonna come out on top. Everybody's good in our league, and, and uh, it'll be a challenging weekend for us for sure.
2: And finally, Coach, uh, we talked a little bit after the ULM game, but, and I joked with you that you ruined a great storyline pulling Tyler Follis. But I, I'm just curious, when a kid's got a no-hitter in the eighth inning, you see this thing playing out, you know the pitch count is getting up there, as a mm-hmm. coach what's that like you, you know this kid's having a career day but also you know you're worried about his future to make that decision in that spot
7: it, it, it's tough Aaron and, and you know it's it's one of those deals where you can feel it in the dugout it's special there's something special going on and I've only been a part of two of them uh one on both sides as a college coach so uh you know something special is happening and man you want you, you want to take care of the kid and you want to respect his future but also you know that uh one of those once-in-a-lifetime deals, uh, you know, and, and we were feeling him out in the dugout. He he was tired, and uh, usually guys will fight you if they want it, And uh, but, man, he we kind of have a deal in our club, and everybody, uh, you need to be honest, and, and we're not going to question anybody's manhood. We're not going to question anybody's level of toughness. Uh, be honest with each other. We're honest with our players. We ask them to be honest with us, and, and Tyler, was uh, he was ready, and, you know, he didn't put up much of a fight when I went out there, so... But it is, man. It's tough because it's, uh, it's one of those deals that you, you see maybe once in a lifetime and it may never come around again. But uh, he was really special the other night, no doubt about it.
2: As that game proceeded, how superstitious are you and did more and more people stay away from him in the dugout?
7: Well, you, you like to say you're not. and uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I, I never go around to pitchers anyway. I just tell them, great yeah. job. Keep what you're doing <laughs> if they're pitching well. They don't need to hear from me, I can assure you. But, uh, yeah, it did seem like not many people were going around him. And nobody was really talking about it until about the fifth or sixth. And I really wasn't paying attention. And uh, Coach Martin did say something about his pitch count. And I said, you know he's got no header, don't you? And he said, yeah, I'm well aware of that. And uh, <laughs> But I whispered <laughs> it to him. I whispered it to him. And uh, he said, yeah, I'm well aware of what the scoreboard said. So uh, it's one of those things that uh, you don't want to say it too loud. I do believe yeah. that. And uh, but. Hey, it is what it is, and that's what makes our game fun and, and, and enjoyable.
2: Uh, well, you be you know, uh, Dave Nitz, old school, uh, he, he did not mention that on the radio throughout the broadcast. So That does not surprise me one
7: yeah. bit. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll have to ask him about that. Good for Dave. Yes.
2: Uh, Lane, once again, uh, thanks for the time. Good luck versus McNeese, and then uh, at home versus Florida International. Appreciate the time.
7: Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much.
2: You bet. Lane Burroughs with his uh, weekly visit, Louisiana Tech. Remains red hot. Won another series this past weekend.
3: Yeah. Uh, Tyler on the text line says, good to hear coaches finally being okay with someone being tired of hurt. Huge plus. Hope he is here for a long time. He is a great fit. Talking about Coach Burrows. Yeah, that was a great interview. That was funny about, uh, I could see him whispering that too. Yes. Just very, very low. Make sure nobody can overhear that.
2: I'm actually thinking, you know, I'm away from the dugout. I'm actually near the visitor's dugout at the time. But, I mean, I'm even saying, hey, look at, you know, what's going on Oh, here? Yeah, yeah. yeah,
3: Sure. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's funny. It's that's so true about baseball. You just don't say those things out loud. You don't want to jinx it.
2: 888 Let's take a timeout. Coming up next are parking shots in the morning
4: drive.
3: Hi, I'm Greg Tilly in Bossier City. We have a huge selection of modular homes, lighted, decorated, and air-conditioned for your shopping comfort. For 40 years now, Greg Tilley's has been saving you thousands. Visit our photo gallery at Tilley'sModular.com or see us today at Greg Tilley's in Bossier City.
4: Whatever car you're looking for, whatever the price for how many doors, cars, trucks, and SUVs, the king of the road car king treat you like royalty. We earn your trust and loyalty. You'll be wearing the crown and you'll start to sing. The king of the road, the king of the road, car king. The Morning
6: Drive, sponsored by BOR. Bank of Ruston, now in Monroe. Your investment property, business, and home loan specialist. Come see BOR at our new location, 2450 Tower Drive in Monroe or call us at 812-BANK-BOR. We are your Monroe Banking Center, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
0: If you're a homeowner, you know how important curb appeal is. It does make a difference how your home looks from the street. An old broken garage door does nothing for curb appeal. In fact, it can lower your home's value. But a beautiful new door from Bayou Overhead Door not only adds to your home's curb appeal, it can provide the protection, privacy, and energy savings your family needs. For over 35 years, Bayou Overhead Door has installed only the best, highest quality CloPay doors and equipment to homes and businesses throughout North Louisiana. Now they also offer seamless gutters and durable floor coverings for your garage, patio, porch, or driveway installed in just a day. So whether you're building a new home or remodeling your existing home, call for a no-cost consultation about the right garage doors for the best curb appeal in the neighborhood. Bayou Overhead Door, 322-1090 or visit their user-friendly website, BayouOverheadDoors.com.
6: Louisiana. This is the Morning Drive. This hour is sponsored by Car King and Monroe.
2: Welcome back to the show. Are you ready for your party shot, Jake Martin?
3: I got a few. Yeah, let's do it.
2: Party shots sponsored by no one.
3: Good morning!
8: Good afternoon! And Good night, man
1: well, I'm gonna tell you what channel eight—they've been packed it in too. They didn't get any of this on camera. We got it. Oh my God! Davis is
3: gonna run it all the way back. Oh no! Oh no. my God! Oh my gosh! No! I have lost my voice in excitement. I am sick. I'm sick. I want to throw up. Go ahead, Jake. All right. Uh, so my first one is actually something from Colin Cowherd. I thought it was interesting. Could maybe discuss it between you and I. All okay. right. So uh, yesterday. Jarvis Landry gets on Twitter and he, you know, tries to recruit Of the Cleveland Browns. Of the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Tries to recruit Odell Beckham to come to Cleveland because, you know, this has been a lot of talk today or this past week, the fact that Beckham has said that he's not going to play unless he gets a uh, long-term deal. And the Giants was actually – John Merrill was actually asked about this this morning um, about Beckham's future and – he said, "You know, we're not shopping him, but you know, I wouldn't say anybody from a three and thirteen team is untouchable. So it is a possibility that he does get traded." So Calherd yesterday had an interesting proposition. He said Cleveland should trade their first round and second round pick for Odell Beckham, and you can still get Sam Darnold with your with your other first round pick. What do you think about a the possibility of having Darnold, Beckham, and Landry in Cleveland? Would that be a win? Would it be worth trading and passing up a Saquon Barkley or whoever else they want to get with that other first-round pick? Mm. You know? Love Let's, these hypotheticals. Let me say this. Okay, yeah, I like hypotheticals too, and I know you're probably being sarcastic. Listen, Odell Beckham has struggled with injuries recently. But with Odell on the field, Eli Manning has completed 63% of his passes, has thrown for 66 touchdowns, 29 interceptions, and has a quarterback rating of 91.5. Without him, 60.4 completion percentage, 14 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 75 Mm. quarterback rating.
2: I just don't know if it will work in Cleveland. Has anything worked in Cleveland, first of all. (laughs) And then second of all, Odell needs the spotlight. He needs the attention, and I just don't know with Cleveland. And there's been a lot of talk about the perhaps the Rams being interested in him, and you could I could see that more of a landing spot for him. Hollywood, yeah.
3: Hey, what's up? And I I think
2: that may make a a bigger, not you know, may create even more of a monster than he is in terms of it being more about him than the team.
3: Yeah, but I mean, he and Landry are close. That would be a heck of a duo. We've seen that once before. But listen. Do you think? Let me let me rephrase the question. Do you think anybody? Do you think it's worth? I don't care who a the team is. First and second round pick. Do you think he's worth a first and second round pick with his injury play career? Uh. And I say injury pro- play. I say injury play because he missed last year, and then he missed uh his he missed what eight games as yeah. rookie and season. He's
2: still a proven commodity, and he's still relatively young. I would think so. Yes.
3: Okay. Just That's not I in Cleveland. Just. <laughs>
2: Uh, so you, you, I think, think you, that they could turn south that quickly. Do
3: you, I think the Browns.
2: And him and Lander, drafts, yeah, they're great buddies. South. They were great buddies in LSU, but of course, their careers now, and are they willing to share that?
3: Yes, but uh, I think the Browns' draft could turn south. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a guarantee that the Browns are going to nail this draft. Yeah.
2: yeah, they've done so well in the past exactly. with these drafts. Yeah. Anyway, I, I just want to,
3: to have that discussion before I get to my yeah. real parting shot. Good
2: hypothetical by a Coward.
3: Yeah. All right. Um,. <laughs> Here's a good one. So this happened this morning. You know, Golic and Wingo's new show. I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah, we have. We don't really get to yeah. listen to it. But uh, anyway, Golic interviewed Ronda Rousey, current WWE star. Right full here.
2: disclosure: she usually doesn't handle a lot of these interviews that well. She usually
3: doesn't do interviews. <laughs> she did a few of them when she was on the and ri- like on her rise to superstardom yeah. in the UFC. But uh, then she became a star and said, nah, "I'm good on interviews." Anyway, you know I'm not a fan of Ronda. Mm-hmm. By the way, I'm not a fan of her. Okay, but anyway, this is Golic asking Ronda a question, and it is cringe-worthy.
4: Mm. Let's go back and and start with when you knew from the the MMA when you were done there. When you said when you knew in your mind, I'm not going to fight anymore. I never said that. Ah, so there is a possibility that you could go back in time? There's a possibility that I could go back in time? That's go, your question to me? Go, go back in time and, and, and fight. Go back in the octagon. I do not have the ability to go back in time, no. No. Would you fight again? I don't know. She
3: she doesn't play nice, first of all. Secondly, that was a stupid question. That was that was bad on go, but she could have she you know she knew what she was saying, he was saying, trying to say what do you think of that do you think Sabre,
2: that's where it should have been right the producer oh we got a bad connection we lost her <laughs> <laughs> somehow we lost her bad signal oh bad cell service
3: man i just cringe and the video is even worse ooh
2: yeah, that was nice yeah that's parting shot worthy right try there.
3: and top that with sister jean Aaron. Uh,
2: oh uh, my parting shot, I got two of them. Uh, we'll start with the soft one. Uh, Howard Cosell this weekend, he would have marked his 100th birthday. Back in the day with Howard Cosell, I mean, he, he was the man. I mean, literally, Monday Night Football, this wasn't a time when you had all those highlight shows, and, of course, you had the red zone and the NFL ticket and had the opportunity to see all these games. So for a lot of us, you know, us country boys, I mean, this was it, the Monday Night Football, his little montage and his highlight reel at halftime, it was pretty cool it was your opportunity to kind of see the league big picture right. the best highlights from the weekend so uh, here's a little homage to a uh, Howard Cosell back in the day
8: now to our weekly halftime highlights of yesterday's games prepared in conjunction with NFL films right to it Balloons go up in the air. The atmosphere is festive at Atlanta Stadium. This is first half action. Only minutes remaining. The handoff to Alti Taylor of the Lions, number 42. The Lions leading 6-3 at this point. And Alti running wide right as you saw him then cutting back in brilliantly. Picks up 32 yards. This is the very next play. Two minutes, 30 seconds left in the first half. The score, as I said, 6-3. And Steve Owens, number 36, former Heisman Trophy winner from Oklahoma, moves out wide and goes in for the 10. Detroit leads 13 to 3 now we're only in the third quarter and they're struggling, Atlanta is to fight back. Bob Berry has just handed off to Art Malone, has become an outstanding running back of the National Football Conference. He moves in for the touchdown, it's 13 to 10. Now, after that kickoff, this is the first play after the Atlanta kickoff, and Greg Landry drops back and throws, as you see, to run Jesse, number 89, Jesse moves all the way downfield. It's an 82-yard play touchdown, Detroit 20, Atlanta 10.
2: It's always better, your memories are better of it being uh, cleaner than that.
3: Yeah. Right? That was a little rough. <laughs> you, like the number,
2: you, you like the number, number aspect of it? Number 36.
3: Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs>
2: Going in for the tally?
3: Yeah, that too. Yeah. Hmm. You better bring it harder. Uh, what's your other part in chat?
2: I'll bring it hard. Uh, so, you know, I got a lot of pet peeves with this business. And one oh. of them being, you know, you millennials nowadays. Uh, okay. So it's all about social media, right? And it's all about these selfie things. And, you know, one of the biggest things that just chaps my hide is when you get these young uh, anchors, reporters, and, you know, they're out and about. And it's literally all the time they got to have these darn selfies of themselves at different spots. And you're like, good gracious. Come on now. Well, you know, I'm not going to mention names. We had one back years ago. It wasn't even that many years ago. But it, it was it was all about, you know, her out there getting selfies and, of course, things that she would have to post everywhere on social media. Uh-huh. So I was just like, why? It was all about her. And, K and, o, and instead of, you know, K&OE, I'm like, yeah, this is wrong. Thankfully, she moved on. I was happy. I could have had a party for her. I could have celebrated well, her, her, she's now moved on to a couple other stations because probably the same issues. It was all about her. Well, she finally got called out nationally for it. She's at a, a crime scene or it was a, a bombing down in Austin, and she's there at the scene taking a selfie of herself. No. But she's not smiling, but it's just still it's all about her. Oh, look at me. I'm here. I'm covering this. Oh, my goodness. Watch me tonight at 6 and 10. No. So, you know, thankfully somebody on the national level caught it, put it on a website and said, Rule number one, or at least number rule number five in journalism, please. No selfies. Rule number one, no selfies. No selfies at a crime scene, a murder scene. Get over yourself.
3: Yikes. So you actually knew this girl. Yeah, too well. So... Uh. Well, when we go off air, I need to see the selfie because yes. I can't believe somebody would do that. Well, then
2: she fires back, you know. Well, she was just trying to capture the scene, and she wasn't smiling. And this was before the press conference took place. Why are you in the picture? Because it's her. She I mean, she's I get the it. story. I'm just
3: saying that's what I would respond with. Yeah. Oh. Why do you need to be in the picture? All right. See, you got me fired up. All right, good. <laughs> if you, in case you didn't know, millennials are the worst. <laughs> uh,
2: what you doing? What are we doing tomorrow?
3: Oh, man, I don't know. I You know, we actually got Good tied. Good tease there. <laughs> we got tied for our Top 10 Thursday, by the way. Uh-huh. So we probably need to play that up more, get some more people voting. Because okay. we're neck and neck with coaches and, and greatest upsets in March Madness history. What else you got?
2: Uh, we got the doctor segment. I'm sure we'll have uh, one or two other things uh, to break down, including uh, Michael Federico will join us for his week at yeah, ULM's yeah. head baseball coach. Everybody have a fantastic day. The Edge is coming up next. i got to take a selfie. We'll have that <laughs> we'll up. Posted. We'll post yeah. that here in the next couple minutes. <laughs> morning Drive. Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.